The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. Cross green. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. The Bavada at Odds Podcast. My name is Seth Everett. I'm joined by the head odds maker at Bavada, Patrick Morrow as we break down the latest odds in all the major sports. NFL week to week as the playoffs are upon us, we'll break down the latest odds plus the futures. It's the Bavada at Odds podcast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to episode 139 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host out in LA, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you today? 139 is that true it's actually just 139 like regular episodes I, I don't add in like the special emergency podcast we used to do and stuff like that so it's actually more it's probably closer to 150 wow we gotta get i mean could we hit do a big anniversary for 200 i don't know if we're gonna get to 200 to be honest are you think we're gonna make that's, it to 200 that's a lot more that's weeks. A great way to start the show it's a lot of weeks that's although i will be in, in i mean i'm in favor of doing the like I like doing more shows in the playoffs when things happen. So maybe we start doing in the playoffs. We'll do more shows again per week. That's always wait. So just fun. to recap, I said you know trying to hype us up. Wow, what an amazing job we've done! How many episodes we've done? Well, how long will it last? And you say probably not that long. <laughs> maybe I'll <laughs> be downer to start. Maybe Jeez. I'll just. I'm in a I'm in a very good mood today. I would say. Well, you would tell tell your face and tell your audio abilities. We're about to get 15 inches of snow, which means I'm going to have to shovel a bunch. We're going to be locked in the house. You know, everyone went to the beer store and to the grocery store on Saturday, so you know we got nothing to do until the Super Bowl next Sunday and and watching NBA basketball this week, Zan. So I, I'm I'm in a great mood. Okay, good. I'm glad to bring some of that enthusiasm to this basketball <laughs> podcast that we've been doing for well, 100. And- 40 episodes what what do you think personally if we called up bovada sports book what do you think they would say the over under for our total number of episodes would be when we when it's all over when you finally I decide you can't take me anymore but now, now i'm taking the under and you're planning your exit strategy already what's next for you what's your next podcast gonna be i don't know to be honest maybe i i would like to do are you the ex- andrew luck of the, of the podcasting world are you just gonna call an early retirement did you hear that story break this week, by the way, that Jim Ursay spent time talking to like the Colts coaching staff about an Andrew Luck return? Did you manage? I would, I did would you read definitely that? talk about it all the time if I were them. Yeah. He hasn't like even been seen publicly in like two years. Like why, why would they assume that he's going to come back and play football? I, well, how old is he? He's like 31 or something. They have a great team. Hey, if you told me you could either try to talk Andrew Luck into coming back or trade like three first rounders for Matt Stafford, Matt Stafford. I think I would prefer Andrew Luck. <laughs> I don't know. It's funny. It's it's good that we brought up Matt Stafford because Matt Stafford is from the state that we're going to focus this week's podcast on. And we're going to do a Texas themed podcast about the three Texas basketball teams because in looking around the leagues and we've, we've spaced it out a little bit, but I, I think that like in the Western conference, 
there's some interesting stuff going on. And we've spent a lot of time talking about like the powers that be in the West, but you know, we were low on San Antonio. I was super, super high on Dallas and then Houston, we weren't really sure. And I kind of want to revisit those about a quarter of the way through the season and see what's going on. Cause Dallas specifically, I mean, this was a team that we thought had an out, at least me thought had an outside chance of winning the West and they're the worst of the three Texas teams by like a pretty decent margin. I mean, they're, they're eight and, and 12. And they're all in a similar boat, like not only geographically, but like historically, like these are teams that we were so used to seeing in the playoffs, right? Like obviously San Antonio made it like 20 years in a row, but like Houston and Dallas quite often have been in the playoffs, great teams. And they're all like in that middle class right now in the West they might all make it. They might all miss it. Like how, how rare is that, that you could say that for all these same teams in, in Texas. Right. And if, if the season ended, I believe today, as of our recording, San Antonio and Houston would play each other in the play in tournament, which would be very cool, I think. But as of yeah, today, just to like you say, like it's all kind of clumped together. And remember that, like you said, there's the nine and 10 teams can get in, but right now, San Antonio's eleven and nine, so they're kind of like in that eight range. Houston's nine and nine, and Dallas, surprisingly, eight and twelve. And and so let's start. Let's start with Dallas because obviously Luca superstar, but also a team with sky high expectations, which is crazy. You know, not crazy, but they finished seventh in the West last year, and you know they took two games off the Clippers in the front first round, but wasn't like we expected Dallas to win sixty games this year. And but I certainly didn't expect Dallas to be four games under 500, really, I didn't think at any point in the season. And then also their offensive regression is like, it's like stunning, right? So they were the number one offense in the league last year. Statistically speaking, obviously, if we're not, we're not talking about adjusting for errors, but just specifically speaking on offensive rating, they were the highest rated offense of all time. And now they're 21st or they're 19th in offense. And, and that's not just, I was thinking like, Maybe it's just other teams getting better and everyone's more efficient now, but they've dropped about seven points per hundred possessions on offense. Yeah. So like they're, they're much worse than last year. It's not just the league getting better around them. So aside from thinking, is it just Seth Curry and Josh Richardson switching spots? Like, is there a reason for Dallas to, I don't want to say panic. They're four games under 500. There's still a lot of season left over 50 games, but if we really think about this Luca and Porzingis thing, there's a lot of data to show that like they don't play as well on offense as they, they do with only one of them on the floor at the same time. Like if you're Mark Cuban or you're Rick Carlisle and you're looking at this team, are you worried for the future? Like, are you worried that like, we're never going to be a 60 win team with possibly a top five player in the NBA because we can't figure out how to make that his, his like one B or right hand man work with him on the floor. They just don't, or do, do they just not work together? Like that's kind of my, that's my lazy man's take. Zan, I would say. Well, I'm even going to go lazier because well, to your point earlier, the expectations for the team in Vegas, they had a higher over under this year than the Utah jazz. Right. And Utah, our darlings, they're the one seed in the West right now, since we last recorded. So, right. And I, I was gonna say, I'm going to be even lazier than you because you already mentioned what I think is one of the, is the main reason, or at least one of the main reasons, you know, you, you ship out Seth Curry, 
who's now shooting 50% from three for Philadelphia, always underrated. He's regressing, by the way. He was shooting like 60% like two days ago on like on like seven threes a game, by the way. like. So yeah, you shift out a guy who's one of the best three-point shooters and you bring in Josh Richardson, who's maybe always been overrated and he's not shooting well again, 28% from three. Luca's not shooting well from three. And all in all, you have a team that is currently the worst three-point percentage in the league at 32.8%. Yeah, and I think that's that's got to be most of it. I don't think it's all of it, like you said, but the fact that they're just look, it's a three point shooting league, and it and it kind of sucks in a way that like it's that lazy that you could do it and get away with it. But like, who won tonight? Who shot well from three? You know, it seems like that's almost always it's like the turnover battle in, in football used to be. It's like who shot fifty percent from three? Okay, that team won today. And if you're the worst three point shooting team in the league as they've been, it's hard to win. Do you do you think that like Luca, and we're we're pro Luca podcast, and and I think that a lot of people think we hate on a lot of different players. But like, do do you think that like, and this is going to come off as like some bitterness or hatred, if you will. So please, you know, don't don't like take it this way. But like, do you think that Luca owes it to Dallas if he's going to shoot if he's going to be a thirty percent three point shooter to change his shot profile, or does he? Does he need to be like more like Dame or somebody where you need to figure out a way to extend your range or be tougher to guard going downhill, like getting more space? Because like one of the things that we're starting to see with James Harden is that like he he is truly like an elite shooter. But like the fact that he takes such tough shots drives his percentage down. But even Harden is like never. You know, what is he in like in his worst season, like 34 percent from three. Right. And he can go through cold stretches because they are taking really tough shots. And that's why, like, Steph Curry, you know, the good one, the great one, is so amazing because, like, he's taking tough shots and hitting 45%. And hitting them, right. Yeah. And, he, you know, obviously their playing style is different. But, like, if if truly, like, Lucas only – because we've said this before, like, Lucas biggest jump is, like, if he goes from a 31% right. three-point shooter to a 35% three-point shooter, like, that that takes – And it's not like, asking a lot to get to league average. And he's gone down every season, 33, 32, yeah. now down to 29. And so, I, and it's weird too because his field goal percentage is going up. So he's finishing better as at at you know at the rim. He's finishing better inside the paint. He's shooting less free throws this year. Now I did say this before that his conditioning was very bad, but like that's where I think that like with him and Harden, it's it's really interesting. Like I just think like Luca has to take that part of basketball serious because if you're gonna come and shoot, you know, I don't know what's he taking twenty shots a game, twenty two shots a game, something like right. that, like you need to be able to take kind of like the beating that he takes and still be able to consistently make shots. And that's always why I stand for Harden so hard because like he just does it night in and night out. And I think with Luca, like we're seeing what happens when he is not like at his peak efficiency, it makes it really hard on well, Dallas. And, and it's weird, you know, I've heard Luca stands use this conditioning excuse for three years now. Like, oh, he's coming off EuroLeague or he, he's in quarantine. Conditioning's not quite there yet. Like, maybe that's just him. Yeah, it's like, just him. Yeah. It's third year now. I mean, let's stop, like, using this as an excuse all the time. Although it does make sense because I know when I play basketball and I'm winded after, you know, 30, 40 seconds, like, my playing style changes and I start shooting more jumpers, right? You just get tired and you start shooting, like, longer shots. Well, you can um, tell. I, I do want to say, like, you can definitely tell that teams are guarding him differently this year. And they're kind of, you know, he's definitely taking the middle more because he he's shooting by far the most like 
10 to three point line jumpers that he's taken in his career like that that's turned into like close to a quarter of his shot profile which it wasn't before which means and I've seen this a little bit like he gets trapped a lot like he gets blitzed more teams are not really drop covering him as much as they were where he could just come right off a screen like there is more drop coverage where they're dropping you know kind of like a a false show if you will but like him taking more mid-range jumpers is definitely a weird thing because he did not do that hardly at all last year and the shot selection is so crucial as you said here i'm going to give you a a quiz here and it's not a trap you know he's shooting a lot of threes you know people have compared him to westbrook in that way shooting a lot not making a lot on the year he shot 136 threes okay okay how many do you think come from the corner which is like the easiest shot I'm going to assume, I'm going to assume zero. I'm going to guess zero. Yeah, you're right. Exactly zero out of 136 shots from the corner. And that's like part of the scheme or whatever, but it's the same thing. It's like, that's why Harden, like they're like, I nine a lot of catch and shoot threes. Cause like, yeah, you have the ball. You're the one passing. And so it's weird, you know, when they flipped Seth Curry for Josh Richardson, like everyone was like, okay, they got a better defender. And Josh Richardson's like overall a better basketball player. Like if you were just picking Two players. I would, I would rather have Seth personally. No, no, no. Listen, I, I was going to say, like, if you just want shooting, fine. Like, that's totally okay. But my point is, like, for Dallas, probably Seth Curry is better, right? Like, that's what we're kind of seeing a little bit is that they just don't have enough shooting. Because when you do have bad shooters, we heard this a lot of times with, with Russ, and we, you know, we've heard it with Harden, and like, we've heard it with Giannis, whatever. Like, when you are able to clog the lane, and guys aren't making shots and you're just like, okay, you beat us yourself or your players who shoot 28%. Like you can keep having these great shots, but like at a certain point, a 25% shooter shooting threes just isn't, it's it's not going to pay off in the long run. Right. And so like, if Dallas is going to be like that and, and if they're going to trade Seth Curry, who's very elite at one specific thing, you need people to kind of overcome that. And, and we're just not seeing that. Right. And like, we're seeing a regression, a little bit of regression from Luca. They, now, they also have had some injury problems, right? Like, Maxi Kleba's played, I think, not even half the games. Josh Richardson's played only 11 games. Dorian Finney-Smith's played 11 games. So, I don't want to say it's panic time in Dallas. Zing, Porzingis has only played nine games. So, they have some time to figure it out, but it is... Yeah, it seems like Porzingis is getting most of the blame from Dallas fans. It's definitely not just him. Tim Hardaway no. Jr. has been like much worse this year than he well, was. Well, and also last Josh, year. I, my my culprit would be Josh Richardson because you say he has this reputation as a great defender. Stats don't really bear that out. Like his defensive rating is one of the worst on the team. He's fouling a ton. I mean, he like, does fa- he does foul a lot. That's always been a thing. Yeah. And so like, maybe he's just not good. Maybe this is like a Gary Harris situation where you get like grandfathered in because you had one pretty good year when you were young and everyone thinks you're good for the next five years. I think Josh Richardson's pretty good. I don't think he's not like a knockdown jump shooter. And it is weird too. Cause like everyone, I, I, I kind of remember this narrative when he got traded from Philly. Right. And to tell me if I'm wrong about this, but there's this like narrative that like, okay, he'll go to Dallas and he'll get more open shots. And in Philly, he didn't get as many open shots as, you know, you'd expect because like Embiid clogs the lane and they don't really have a true point guard. But then I was looking at this and Ben Simmons generates as many corner threes as Luca does. Like they're different in what they do, but like in terms of just generating three point looks for guys, they they do it at a pretty similar rate. So I'm pretty sure that Josh Richardson got plenty of open threes last year as well. 
And so and, again, and some of this will bounce back. Like he's shooting twenty. He's not going to shoot twenty eight percent. Yeah, right. Thirty six percent career. So let's just say he gets back up to league average. Then he's a good player. Then you're right. Like then he's pretty I, good at everything. I or mean, at least da- average at everything. I mean, Dallas has what? They have what? I mean, I have their stats open in front of me. So once right. they have one, two, three, they have four guys taking essentially twenty five threes a game. And not one of those guys is shooting over 33% from three. And three of them are shooting under 30%. Luca, Josh Richardson, and Porzingis, who are responsible for 12, 19 threes a game, are shooting collectively about 28% from three. That's not going to... And not so, gonna yeah, it'll regress to some degree. I think they'll be like an average three-point shooting team maybe, but is that good enough? So now you're you're eight and 12 the west is you know competitive throughout the yeah, middle it's, it's it's hard to give other teams a head start yeah i think you know my my thinking of dallas going into the season i wasn't totally buying the you know luca is going to lead them to the one seed or whatever you were spouting off um, i did i did spout that off yeah and i think that's why you're leaving the podcast is you're so embarrassed by that <laughs> i've had uh, way worse takes don't you remember <laughs> when i said draymond green was better for the warriors than steph curry i mean we yeah, can't ever let that one die um, I, I thought in my head, Luca was going to have a career, the early career, like early Garnett, for example, where he would just lose in the first round, like three or four years, five years in a row. And then eventually like realize he needs another better player around. And in my head, I was always going to be honest. That's be probably head. not true anymore. He yeah. resigned. And somebody made this great point. I thought actually I saw on social media, the teams that were sort of rumored to be in the mix for Giannis. And whether it's just like, you know, rumors on Reddit or whether there's real, who knows? Maybe they were secretly hoping for Giannis. Dallas is eight and twelve. Miami's seven and twelve. Toronto had some mention they're seven and twelve. Is that a coincidence? I don't what think about it's the Lakers. Totally. Remember the Lakers were getting I don't really hear a lot about the Giannis <laughs> stuff. But like I think some of these teams like Dallas had been kind of hoarding their cap space. Yeah. And I think maybe it bit them. And if they didn't get Giannis, I'm not sure who they're gonna get there now. And then they're just not an overwhelmingly talented team. Who should play next to Luka Doncic, in your opinion, if it's not? That's a great question. So I do want to say real quick, they're over-under on Bovada at the beginning of the year, which we both took over, was 42.5. Obviously, that's in a 30, that's in a 72-game season, so 43 and 31. Do you, what do you think the odds right now would be for them to win 43 games? Certainly. Like 5%. I, I, yeah, I mean. Yeah, like minus 1,000 or plus 1,000. That's a great question. Who's the ideal number two, Luca? And you know, a few years ago, wouldn't we have said like Porzingis? Maybe I mean, like I, a big guy who doesn't you know can stretch the court. I thought Porzingis was a great fit for him because right. he protects the rim on defense, so it hides a lot of like what Luca does poorly. And also, like he doesn't clog the lane. He makes shots. He's really good in transition. Pretty good offensive feel. I am still holding out hope for Porzingis, but I, I, man, I have to try to find this, but somebody did a study about like how, while Porzingis does stretch the floor, so much of his offense comes from the same spots that Luca's offense comes from. So it actually clogs the floor in terms of the actions that you want to run because neither one of them is super comfortable. Like, in other areas like Porzingis loves like traffic screens, like walking into stuff at the top of the key. He loves like above the break shots, like, and you'd think like, okay, it's just a pick and roll. But I wonder if like Porzingis, because he's so like thin and slight, 
I wonder if teams like they're just like, you know what, we're just going to switch. And if he just wants to shoot over us, that's fine. But like, we're not, he, he doesn't really dive. Like, he doesn't use his athleticism like you'd expect. So, like, yeah, and he's not, he doesn't use any strength because I guess he doesn't have it. But yeah, I, I, th- I don't think he's a problem. I think he's like an un, unfair sc- scapegoat because it's like he's not, you know, Knicks fans probably thought he was like a future Hall of Famer. Maybe, maybe he's not that, so, but so like, you, he's still a good starter, right? So, you think the problem with Porzingis was that like the narrative of who Porzingis could be or who Porzingis was because he was in New York and he had some good moments kind of spiraled out of control. That's, that's your, isn't that thought? true for all of us though? In a way, the the upside, we never meet our upside. Like all I mean, these kindergartners out there, they're always like, you're going to be an astronaut. It's like, probably not little Susie. <laughs> you're well, probably going to be like a middle manager. One of the biggest, and Bobby's ones. probably going to be a trash collector. You know, like no Those one are good union jobs. Those are no, good I know. I'm not saying it's bad. And Porzingis is a good starter too. He's sort of the, you know, middle manager of the stretch big man league. <laughs> That's one of your better ones. Yeah. I mean, he's also go. never played. So he's played nine games this year, right? So he's already, he's missed 11 games. And this is a weird season. I don't know how many guys are going to end up playing all 72, if any. You know, it'd be interesting to actually bet on that on Bovada, like how many people are going to play 72 games. But this is not a guy that, that plays the majority of games in right. a season, you, right? You like, can't pencil him in for 80. That's for no, sure. No, like he played, he played what? 30, he played 57 last year. So he played about 75% of the year. He played 48 the year before, so he played a little over half. Played 66, so he missed, what, 16 games that year, and that was the same ACL injury. And then his rookie year, he played 72. So we're not exactly trending in the right direction. And that's another thing. Like, Luca is built in that same mold of, like, a high-usage scorer who just plays every night and just plays 40 minutes a night, right? And so maybe they haven't had a chance to get in rhythm. I, I don't know. Well, so, so you talk about they're going to have the chance. You know, it's not going to be Giannis probably, but – you know, they have 20 million in cap space next year, then like 40 million and eventually a lot of money in the cap space. Like if you had to like draw up the perfect third banana or second banana for them, like skill set wise, like what is it? What are they Thompson? Clay Thompson. Well, what about Bradley Beal then? Yeah. See, that's, that's an interesting thing, right? Because uh, do you have their cap sheet open in front of you by chance? Okay. So if I remember right, they signed a bunch of guys to like one year deals, right? Like they, they kept their cap sheet very clean for this off season to be able to fit in a max guy. Do they have enough in terms of like expirings to throw those together and like picks for Bradley Beal? Because at a certain point, there's going to, there's definitely going to be like an inflection point for the Wizards, right? And I I think I've talked about this a little bit before, but I think they know that like it's pretty unlikely that Brad's going to resign. The season this year is an an utter disaster. Like they, they've missed a bunch of games because of COVID. They, they don't have a lot of guys and they're just getting destroyed by teams that they play who are at full strength. But like at a certain point, they're going to realize, we need to get what we can get for Beal. And I wonder if, you know, Zan, you're always in favor of like the full teardown. Right. They have Westbrook. I, I was thinking and he's for, just, for Washington, I think it's more and more likely. Yeah. So they just probably want picks, right? And they yeah, want a cleaner like, cap sheet to play their young guys. Beal. Like maybe they go after Michael Porter Jr. Or maybe some of the, you know, Hawks young guys. Dallas doesn't have a lot of that young guys to offer aside from picks, but they, in terms of salary, James Johnson's still on the books, 16 million expiring. What about James Johnson, Tim Hardaway, and picks for Brad Beal? Is that too little? I mean, Hardaway's expiring. He's still okay. So that's and Johnson's expiring, right? You get you get like 40 million. Johnson's like 19 million and Hardaway's like 18 yeah. million, right? Right. That combines 34, more than enough for Beal. Beal only makes like 28 or so this year. Yeah, and it, goes it goes up, up to 32, I think. So you could even do James Johnson, 
Maxi Kleber, and you're basically there. They're not trading. They're not trading Maxi. That's like Luca's guy. Like, but but that's my point. It's like I don't I don't know if that deal like I don't I don't know if that deal works for Washington. But like, if you're Dallas, it works great for you because Dallas is sort of in the position like you know Luca's 21, Zinger's only 25, right? So you trade for Brad Beal, who's what 26, like. You managed to re-sign Brad Beal. You have those three guys under contract for a long time. What do you care right. about picks? No, you're right. And but and then also free agency. It's it's always been considered like a potential free agent destination. I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, and like if you're Bradley Beal, say you're a free agent, Bradley Beal, do you really want to go play second banana to Luka Doncic and then Rick Carlisle, who's kind of a tough coach? It's probably not a great fit for Brad. That's that's a right. reasonable point. And Luka Doncic is like. He's very good. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, top ten player. He doesn't seem that fun to play with. I yeah, mean, like I, I've seen him like chirping a lot at his teammates. He has the ball all the time. You know, he's shooting bad shots. It's like there was this narrative though with Chris Paul that he wasn't fun to play with, and people still want to play with him. But also, like that's why I thought Giannis was a good fit. And also, like he he's not like buddies with the guys in the same way that like you don't know that. What do you you don't know? You have I no do idea. know that you have no idea. You, you think have... Luka Doncic and Bradley Beal have like a fun, friendly relationship? Currently, I'm not saying I, him no, specifically, I, but I'm okay, saying so like, like anybody. Okay, let me pick a player. Like, do I think Luca and like James Johnson have a lot in common? Probably not. Right. But like, do I think like Luca and like who's another guy? I mean, he's so young, right? That's one of the biggest things. Is like we're we're talking about like even like a guy like Jalen Brunson is like three or four years older than Luca. I don't I don't know. It's it's you know who would be good for them? Like, in the, not like a third star, but like. You know, they've been relying on sort of like the flotsam and jetsam like point guards, you know, when he's not in there. But like even like a Goran Dragic, he's like his obviously his countryman. That's like his boy. Yeah, that'd be yeah, really like, who can like run the offense for a while and score a little on his own and take some of the pressure off him. Yeah, I do think that's probably correct, Zan, that like and they did that a little bit with Seth Curry, right? Like he made shots, but like he wasn't a guy that would like take a big usage load. And so like you want that to be Porzingis, but he doesn't generate shots at that level, right? Like for himself. And there are very few. It's it's tough to can compare anybody to Luca in terms of like shot generation. It's, he, he's one of the best in the league, you know, like him, Trey Young, freaking LeBron, you know, whatever, James Harden. Like those guys are really good at that. I, I don't, but I just wonder if it's like, can you, can you trade for like, I wouldn't want them to trade for Michael Porter because I just don't think that like he fits. Like, I think he's a little soft. Like I, I do think that, like, we always mention the same dudes, but I do think, like, C.J. McCollum makes sense, right? But I don't know what you give to Portland. Like, the, the, the issue with Dallas is, like, you can only offer cap, like, cap relief and picks. And I just don't know how I many teams like were... that gets it done for. And they made a couple. They have a couple of young guys that they have that I thought would be further along than they are, even though they're young, coming off freshman years. Like Josh, Josh Green, Green stinks. He's, a, he's been bad. And then Tyrell Terry, who was supposed he's, to be like a Seth Curry type. Yeah, he's just, he's not, just there yet. not ready to play. Again, these are people that are the same. Like Tyrell Terry and Josh Green are one year younger than Luca, or like half a year younger than Luca, And he's like a top five player in the world. And they're like unable to get out of the bench in an NBA team. It's, it's amazing how good Luka Doncic is. It seriously is. You're right. And then so overall – we're talking like future moves because I think we're in agreement. Like even if they make the playoffs this year, like they no cannot one's scared of them in the I, same way. As, but, as of what we've seen right now. And I want, I want to say like, I want to see them get 10 straight games with like everybody healthy. I just don't know that we'll see that. But in terms of what we've seen right now, 
uh, I was very wrong about Dallas. They are certainly not good enough to win the NBA title. And I, I told and, you that and I didn't, I'm I didn't they're think they're not they good would. enough to win. I don't think they're good enough to win a round. I like if they're going to be, you yeah, know, I mean, if they get play in, like, one of the top four teams, they're not good enough to beat the Lakers or the Clippers. That's for sure. Or, right. or Utah probably. And even Denver, I don't, I don't see it. Denver's Denver's interesting. Denver's a quite a quite a group. So that, that, that what an interesting team to watch. A team that everyone thought would jump, and they've taken a step back. What about? I think a very interesting team is Houston because I you saying you were wrong about Dallas. I was wrong about Houston when they traded James Harden. I thought they were just going to tank, and they've actually started winning more. Um, Wall looks pretty good. Oladipo's playing. Christian Wood's been good all year. Is this actually the nine and nine Houston Rockets, the new look Houston Rockets? Are they legitimate playoff contender? Yeah, this was not a good team to. This was not like a good collection of personalities to tell, like, hey, we want to lose games, right? Like when you you remember when like Philly was originally thanking like the dudes that they were rolling out there, and it was like, okay, this makes a little sense, but like Houston has managed to kind of like assemble this team of personalities that like just everybody plays with like a giant chip on their shoulder, right? And they're rather fun to watch. They're not super fun to watch in the sense of like it's not really a beautiful brand of basketball because like you know you do have. You know, Walls shooting forty three percent. Oladipo, same deal, volume guy. Christian Christian Woods, quite good. It's it's he's, it's he's averaging twenty and ten this yeah, year. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's really good. And then like you know, but they also have like PJ Tucker, and then Eric Gordon's had a much better start to this year. Somehow Eric Gordon, maybe Eric Gordon was better without James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Who knows? Jay Sean Tate, another guy that they've like plucked out of Europe, who's playing twenty five minutes a night as that like smaller bruising type forward, and it's like. This is a team that they they just want to punch you in the mouth every night. And I hate saying that because it's like this dumb coach cliche, but it's like you watch the Rockets and it's it's hard to not root for them because it's like, okay, well, you had James Harden tell them that they just weren't good enough. We're not talented enough. Like we got to go somewhere else. And this team is like, okay, dude, like we're we're just going to roll and do the best we can to win games. And like, I don't think that they can beat a top team in the playoffs. I certainly don't think that. But I definitely think that if this is the team you get and, and like they're the eighth spot, like you're not excited about it because they're going to beat you up. Like they're going to play super physical. Like they're going to they're going to make it difficult for you in like a five or six game series. And like you'd rather, you know, you'd rather play the Orlando Magic and just walk through it. Right. Like but this is the type of team that Houston has. And like I think Steven Silas deserves like a ton of credit for like getting this team to like kind of rally together, Zan, if that makes sense. Like just no, totally top five defense. Christian Woods playing really well. looks like a steal. Um, and wall looks better than we thought he would be. Right. He I looks, mean, he looks pretty good. It's, yeah. it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a funny thing, right? We, I think you and I talked about this separately, but with him and Kevin Durant, because of the way this season broke out last year, it didn't really make any sense for them to go to the bubble. Right. Like there was no reason to do it. And I wonder if people are going to start looking at Achilles injuries and being like, you know, instead of trying to come back in nine to 12 months, like it really is a 18 to 24 month injury. Cause these two dudes look, I mean, they don't look any different, right? Like wall is a, it was a little bit slower, but like he might still be the fastest player in the league end to end. It's, it's wild. Like playing 30 minutes a night. Like I thought he was going to be like a Derek Rose. Yeah. Where you just had no explosion left. Same with Kevin Durant. And these, these dudes look as good as they've, all, they don't look any different to me. Seriously, they don't. And it does sound like your your hometown, Washington Wizards. It's like, you know, I think they traded him with the idea that he was done. And 
how different would Washington be? Maybe not much different. Did you, but did you see him and Westbrook like jawing at each other? Yeah. In the game? Did you? And then Wall had like the behind the back like layup to his offhand, and like you could tell it just like it meant so much to him. And and there was a there's a guy who Fred, uh, not Fred Katz, uh, yeah, Fred Katz, who writes for the Athletic. He used to cover the Thunder. Now he covers the Wizards. But he he mentioned that like for probably like the 300th time in his career, a Wizards game mattered more to John Wall than it mattered to any other player and coach in the Wizards. And it's like, it's so hard to like get that through my head that they just like let this dude walk away. And again, it's not even a, a shot at Russ. Like it is what it is, but. You know what I'm taking though? I, I agree. Like I'm taking the under on this team's like playoff chances. And I mean, I don't know what that means, but I'm like more negative in the sense that they're playing well now. They're a legit 500 team now. They've won five straight as of us recording. They have back-to-back games against Oklahoma City Monday and Wednesday. Hmm. So, Well, I'm just thinking, John Wall's 30. Is he going to stay healthy? Is Eric Gordon, 32, going to stay pretty hot? P.J. Tucker's 35. Victor Oladipo, is he going to stay healthy? It's like everything's going right right now, and they're like a pretty good team. So like, if, if the wheels start falling off, do they, does the bus start crashing? Yeah, and I wonder too, because like you look at P.J. Tucker, and he's a very interesting guy in the trade market because he helps in a lot of different ways, right? He's a pretty easy guy to integrate. You just put him in, you tell him like, hey, guard the other team's best player and stand in the corner and make threes, and he'll do exactly that. Like he gives you a lot of toughness. People know he's unhappy with his contract. They know Houston is is willing to deal for the future. So like, is it possible that somebody comes in and says like, you know, we really want PJ Tucker. Like here's a right. first round pick, right? Like, could you, could you see a team doing that? Like, absolutely. Like I, I don't yeah, think and he could be a difference maker for like a Brooklyn or something. They don't, uh, they can, I don't think they can do it. You saw they signed Iman Shumpert, by the way. Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just keep getting signed. But Daniel house, same deal. Like there's dudes on Houston that if they decide like, Hey, you know, we don't really want to go 35 and 37 or 37 and 35. Like, you you could see them parting ways with some of these guys for sure. Well, you know, it's interesting that what's his name? Raphael Stone, the new GM. Yeah. Um, when I think of, you know, okay, we're losing hard and we're gonna have to take a step back, my mind immediately goes like, okay, we're tanking. And I think most people and most fans do and most executives do. But, you know, Daryl Morey did it a different way. Like they stayed like okay. They kind of floated towards the middle and they had enough assets to package together and push them over the top with Harden. Yeah. And so maybe that's their plan. Stay pretty good. Now we have a bunch of picks we could throw into packages and maybe we're one superstar away again. We just need to find the next James Harden. Like who is it? Yeah. And that's, you know, that's always been the antithesis of like the Sam Hinky tank job. It's like, let's keep our cap sheet relatively clean, stay somewhat competitive. So people are like, Hey, this is a good organization. And then when you're able to see that market inefficiency, you go, you go pounce on it. Right. And I don't know. I don't know. Who that <laughs> what is. if they trade for Bradley Beal, the wall and Bradley Beal return? I mean, those two guys still claim that they're like good buddies. You know what I mean? Like that they, they really care about each other. So I, I don't know. Like, is there it's, anyone else? Like, cause we talk about Bradley Beal all the time. And Harden already got traded. Is there some, and Giannis, I guess, is not getting traded. So is there anyone that's actually like a legit top 10 player that's going to be on the market sometime soon? Probably not. Ben Simmons, maybe. Doesn't seem like it. Philly's Carl Anthony Towns, maybe. Did you see, by the way, that, so as of, I want to say Sunday night, they the it had been like 360 days in in terms of actual days of the year since the Timberwolves traded for D'Angelo Russell. Do you know how many games D'Angelo Russell and Carl Towns have played together in that time? I, I think I saw this stat, but what is it? It was five. 
That's amazing. That is pretty bad. I don't know. I don't know the, the top 10 player getting traded thing. Cause like definitely not a top 10 guy, right? Like definitely we're, we're not going to see like LeBron, Anthony Davis, Harden, Durant. Like those guys aren't going anywhere. Dame's not going anywhere. Jokic isn't getting traded and beads not getting traded. Paul George and Kawhi aren't getting traded. So like that's not going to happen. Right. But like the next tier, maybe, I don't know. Like, Milwaukee's not moving off Chris Middleton. Drew Holiday's is a free agent and is going to get paid a, a buttload of money again in the offseason by someone. Maybe Dallas. That actually makes a lot of sense. Maybe Jimmy Butler. I, I don't know. I don't think I don't think there's a lot of really good players available. I don't, you know, and that, that's not to say like PJ Tucker is a very good basketball player. Like if he's available, like that matters. But like, you know, you're not seeing Jamal Murray's of the world, like right. Donovan Mitchell, like those guys aren't available, right? Like maybe DeMar DeRozan and is, is available. Maybe LaMarcus Aldridge is available, but like outside of that. Yeah. Maybe we're just being spoiled by the fact that like we're living in a world where James Harden can get traded. You know, it's like, that seems so crazy. If you were like growing up in the nineties that somebody would trade like a superstar in their prime. It's, so, it's, it, it's just like, and it, it's not, you know, like it, we've seen it happen twice in three years now, like Anthony Davis, like that new Orleans is just like, okay, we're going to trade away a hall of famer more than likely. Right. Like, it, and just be like, okay with it. Cause he doesn't want to be here. It's, right. it's so weird. It, it, it's, it's very odd how it, it looks in the NBA versus how it looks in the NFL. Right. So like Deshaun Watson is doing this currently where he doesn't want to play for Houston. And I agree that Deshaun Watson, like I'm, I'm happy he signed his contract. Like he absolutely should have protected himself. But I understand when people are like, hey, you signed this deal. You could have played this year out and then gone somewhere else. But it's like, it's football. You're not going to risk getting hit a bunch without $160 million behind you. But it, it, no one's sitting there like, hey, Deshaun Watson, like, he should get traded. Whereas, like, with Anthony Davis and James Harden, like, there was a group of people that were like, yeah, why would they stay there? They shouldn't be there. And it's like, what? what's the disconnect here? Like, why can't Deshaun Watson say that, like, the Texans are an absolute dumpster fire. I don't want to be here anymore. Like, why, why, why are we not seeing player empowerment in other leagues, Zan? It's a great question. And that's a deeper question. We're it talking has about nothing to do with our, our podcast. It just is like, no, I, I, just I think there's thinking. a few reasons, actually. I'll give you a couple. One is injuries, like you said. Like, you know, um, even Durant, Tara and Achilles, you come back, you're a top five player again. Like, the, or Luka Doncic, you could pretty much pencil him in for being really good for the next 10 years. Like, you just yeah, can't as, do that. As long as nothing know. crazy happens to Luka, like, and right. even, even like you said, even a, a serious injury now, if you treat it correctly, like, those guys are okay. Like, guys come back from torn ACLs and they're fine all the time. And then also player empowerment, they're, they're just more powerful, they're more yeah. impactful. You know, like LeBron, I saw that somebody posted on, why does Mike Trout, is he's as good as LeBron. Why doesn't he make more than LeBron? But it's like, he's batting one out of every nine times, you know, like yeah. he's, he's not as important in terms of the results of the game. Okay. Well, we are talking, I mean, quarterbacks, obviously they are quarterbacks. Relevant. Maybe. Yeah. Yes. You know, and, it's, it's, and I think they're part, part of the problem there and we're seeing it. I mean, we're, maybe we're living in the new age where quarterbacks are on the move now. Yeah. It, it never really happened. Right. Like we saw Kirk cousins and then we saw like Drew Brees before that, but you've never, you don't really see, quarterbacks hit free agency and we're going to see some quarterbacks actually hit free agency. But you know, and also the other thing too, though, I mean, I think there's this fear in the NFL as good as certain players are. Um, would they be good outside of their system, outside it's, of their coach? You never know. Like yeah, no one worries that about LeBron. Like is he, if he loses Mike Brown, is he going to, he's going to be, be fine. Good? Yeah. He's yeah. Gonna be, it's, it's, it's weird. Right. Cause like, there's this whole group of people and obviously like with the Super Bowl coming up, we'll talk about some props at the end of the show, but like with the Super Bowl coming up, like everyone, like you said it, like 
Tom Brady, you know, he jumps ahead of Bill Belichick because he takes the Bucks to the Super Bowl. But there was real things of like, hey, who is it, Brady or Belichick? And like with Mahomes, as good as he is, it's like, hey, who is it? Is it Mahomes or Andy Reid? But like, yeah, in the in the NBA, there's like none of that. It's it's just like, yeah, whatever. Get this guy out of here. He stinks. Get him a new coach, and he'll be fine, right? Like. Like we we literally are watching James Harden go to a totally different system, playing with other different players, and he's just like still as good as he was, right? Playing Absolutely. slightly different style, and it, it is it is fascinating to think about because like with a quarterback, you would assume that they can impact the game. Well, and also these these Not NFL guys just like, time, but like the wall just like hits them like a smack in the face sometimes. Yeah, I'm a We're little like, worried that the wall for Tom Brady was the second half <laughs> against the Packers. <laughs> but like, how often do you see? Like in the NFL, and I think it's just so many players, sometimes it's hard to know who's really good or not. Like, this might be dating us a little bit, but you remember Namdi Asamoah from yeah, Oakland. He was like amazing as a cornerback. And then the Eagles signed him and he was terrible. Yeah. Like, he was considered like the best cornerback, went to a different team and was considered not good. And how often does that ever happen in the NBA where a guy gets traded and gets like not exposed? It just like takes a huge decline like that. Well, it just yeah, doesn't happen. Almost, almost never. Right. Like, right. Like you see free agent signings not work out, but it's like Jerome James, right? Like, oh, that's weird. Right. Or like you give a big deal to somebody like, I don't know, Jeremy Grant, but he's playing really well in, in Detroit. Like it, it's it's always like extensions that you see not work out. But like when teams sign free agents, like Gordon Hayward, absolutely horrendous contract. He's playing great for Charlotte. Like it, it, it's- Well, and that kind of gets us to our next team if we want, if we have time, but like- Yeah, let's do it. It's sometimes it's just like the perception about these guys, like DeMar DeRozan on San Antonio. Is he fundamentally worse than he was in Toronto or is just like fans have turned on him now? Um, and is he become underrated? The team is 11 and nine. They're in the mix. DeRozan's averaging six and a half assists a game. 20 points a game is this team like you know hey of all the teams we talked about they have the best record of the three and and people probably talk about them the least yeah and they are very average i think they're 15th in offense and defense right like so yeah it's it's not a situation where i think that they they're definitely good and they're definitely well coached they have a very interesting group in the sense that like they have some young guys that are like really intriguing right like keldon johnson was very good in the bubble last year and he's carried that forward like we're we're seeing him He's scoring a right around 15 a game, like averaging seven and a half rebounds, made first round pick. DeJounte Murray seems like he's all the way back from his injury. He's playing really well. Lonnie Walker showing flashes, not going to win most improved. Seems like Chris Boucher has already locked that award up. If not Christian Wood, your, your guys, dime store all-stars. But like we've seen this with the Spurs where like they just are able to when they don't have studs, right? And they've had a lot of studs, but like they're able to find these guys that are really good contributors that that play in their system and they they make themselves very hard to play against. And I think I don't know how good I think this Spurs team can be. Derek White is still injured, right? Like they good. It would be nice to have a full season of Derek White, but like they have a lot of good players and that's it, it seems like it, it seems like so stupid to say that, but like They've got young guys who are definitely showing potential and they can feel good about the future. And then DeMar and LaMarcus Aldridge and Rudy Gay and, you know, uh, my guy that we just talked about, uh, Patty Mills, sorry. Like, they're good vets. Like, I want to say they have like five or six guys averaging double figures. I'm not counting Derek White because he's played two games, but two, three, four, five, six. They have seven dudes averaging double figures for them. And then no one's playing. DeMar's playing 33 minutes a game and everyone else plays right around 30. It's like, it, they're, they're just really good. Like they're, they're just a very 
solid team. And I think in right. the West, that matters now because I just don't think their range of outcomes is very high, if that right. makes sense. Yeah, totally. And kind of like the team we expected last year, sort of 500 first round out team. Um, yeah, do you think they'll think make the play? Do you think they'll make the playoffs? Like, would you bet them if you could on Bovada to make the playoffs? Like, of these three teams, would you bet the Spurs the most? I would still, honestly, I would still go Dallas, San Antonio, Houston. Um, so you think San Antonio is better than Houston? Maybe not. I I don't know. I I think the injury risk I was worried about with Houston is um, Christian Wood the best player on those two teams? On those two teams. Wow, like, that's a good Houston. Question. Like, like Victor Oladipo is a good player. Like we've talked about this. Like, is he a star? Probably, probably not. You're you're probably right about that take. But like, like Houston has Wall, Christian Wood, and Oladipo, and like it's pretty good for a team that traded James Harden. Like they have three dudes who are legitimately very good players. You know? Yeah, Christian Wood is so interesting because it's like you, you keep waiting for like it to, to like you know the mirage to go away, but it's like he's been good pretty much always. You know, I I think guys like Christian Wood deserve a lot of credit. Like we see a lot when dudes like just wash out, right? Like they, they get drafted. They, they declare for the draft early. They're maybe their second round picks, late first round picks. They were highly regarded. Like, and you don't see a lot of guys like make it back from that. Right. Like you don't see a guy like Christian Wood often where he's on like five or six G league teams and he's around the league just trying to stick. And he finally gets an opportunity and he figures it out. Right. Like he, figures out how to be a professional basketball player beyond like being an immature kid. And I think like Josh Jackson's another guy, like you're talking about a kid that was like top five in his class for years and like gets drafted, what third overall into a bad situation, but he also contributes to the situation, not being very good and goes and like gets humbled and realizes the stuff you have to do and becomes like a competent NBA player. Like those guys deserve so much more credit than they get. I think like everyone talks about Christian Wood, like, yeah, we knew he was good, but like his story is crazy, Zan. Like he was, he was in the G League with like five different teams. Like it took a long time for him to get to this point. And like, um, yeah, I don't know. You saw it before everybody else. I did. So you, yeah. you knew. You knew. <laughs> it. just, it's just, it's just to me. It's like, like you, you. If you're the Spurs, like, and you draft a guy like Keldon Johnson, like, you feel good about Keldon Johnson's situation there, right? Like, you know, the Spurs are a solid organization. Like, you know, they scouted and they're going to give him opportunities. You don't always think that about other guys. Well, right? you know like, what? Like, and I don't mean to like laugh, like, you know, like arrogantly, because you're, you know, a hundred times more about basketball than me. You watch film, you understand the game much better. And I'm just this douchebag sitting around. So like, why would I think Christian Wood's going to be good? It's just like, a lot of it's just relying on stats. Yeah, you but, watch him. He seems good. His numbers look good. but Right. But like, and I, you know, it's a lot of the times it fits a similar profile of these guys who are kind of slept on. And then they're 24 and they're kind of on the fringe of the league and teams don't want to take a chance on them because they think they have no upside left, even though he's been productive. And he, you know, if you can get him 25 to 28 year old, he's going to be productive for you. Like that's the upside. You get a good starter. It's it's one of the reasons why I liked DeLon Wright so much. Like he was older. Fred VanVleet, the same deal. Like you said, like they're older guys, like they've, and kind of, you know, knocked around. And it's why it's even wilder for a guy like Josh Jackson to be, to come back and be like a, a rotational player, you know, like, cause he probably thought he was going to be, you know, on a $150 million deal with like a signature shoe, you know, on the Jason Tatum trajectory, if you will. And like, he managed to overcome that to stick in the NBA and he'll get another contract. And that stuff is so impressive, man. Cause like, right. Tough. And one, I think we have to like redefine what upside means cause it, or development. Um, because look, you want Giannis, you know, and you're hoping to hit on Giannis, but 
But you don't, want, like, you don't want Bruno Caballo? You don't want Bruno. But guys that looked at, like, look at a guy like Fred Van Vliet, undrafted, people like, oh, he doesn't have any upside. Flash forward, he's making $20 million a year. Ma- and, Malcolm, and, and, and worth that deal. Right. And Malcolm Brogdon, same thing, where it's like, oh, he's old, he's kind of low level, he doesn't have a lot of upside. He's, got he's a good starter. Though. He's making $20 million a year. Dame, like I mean, that's look the at, upside. I mean, look at Dame Lillard, right? Like he right. gets no scholarship offers and like ends up at Weber state and comes out as a rookie and wins rookie of the year. And now he's like one of the five to 10 best players in the NBA. And like, he was well, and also like, I think, you know, maybe it's coaches like being arrogant thinking like I can polish this diamond in the rough <laughs> rather than like Fred Van Vliet's like a finished product. Yeah. yeah, yeah I want, yeah. he can be pretty good for us. And then also more and more, I'm thinking like this idea of shooting, you know, once this guy learns to shoot, once he learns to shoot, like maybe you just can't really learn to shoot as hard as you think. It's hard to teach guys to shoot. Very few, like Jeremy Grant has legitimately learned to shoot, right? I think it's reasonable if you watch Detroit Pistons, Jeremy Grant versus like year one Oklahoma City Thunder, Jeremy Grant, like the jumper was way, he looked like he was using a slingshot. He has worked super, super hard to become a good jump shooter, right? But there are not a lot of stories like that where guys just all of a sudden become like a very high volume three point shooter. It just doesn't happen. And yeah, that's, and that's, I, that's I why like the Luca burned. thing is tough because. Well, I've gotten burned so often. Like I, I think I can find like a diamond in the rough maybe, but I get burned by draft picks thinking a guy's going to learn to shoot. He's going to harness his shot. It's like, it's just hard. If you're not a good shooter, it's so hard to be a good player in this league. Yeah, I agree with you. And and I think that's why getting back to the Spurs, when you're talking about them versus maybe Houston or like I'm lower on the Spurs, I think, than than the Rockets, because I just I don't necessarily believe in their players becoming stars, at least like this year. Right. Like I like Houston's talent currently better than I like San Antonio's. And obviously, like you said, if you're betting on Dallas, you, you get the luxury of betting on Luca, which is tremendous. But like you know, San Antonio is a very interesting team and they have a lot of guys who I do like moving forward, but I don't know that they, you know, we didn't know Kawhi Leonard was going to be this good. So maybe, you know, maybe Keldon Johnson or Devin, Devin Vassell or Lonnie Walker is going to be the next Kawhi. Like, I don't know that. Well, I, I, I don't think that right now. Right. But I mean, for, in terms of making the playoffs, cause it's like, that's why I'm reluctant to blow it up sometimes. Cause it's like, there are little tweaks you can notice. And so last year with the Spurs, they're playing a lot of Bryn Forbes. Who's not a good defender. Um, meanwhile, he's gone to Milwaukee. Their defense has gotten worse, by the way. Um, they're trying and, different. They're trying different things, though. But Kelvin Johnson, like, just even simple. We talked about going from Josh Richardson to Seth Curry. That can make a difference. Going from you know Bryn Forbes to Keldon Johnson, who's like a tough, you know, plays bigger than his size. You know, he's gotten seven rebounds a game. He's like a thick dude, kind of. You know, yeah. And he's he's a smart player. I mean, like, I think if he could be a starter for you like you know that's a big difference you know and maybe that big difference means three or four wins but still that's a big difference it, it is it is a big difference and like those guys like the spurs have done a little bit more of like the boston celtics kind of drafting of late where it's like you just take the wing and you try to figure it out right they're not you know they took Derek white he was bigger but also an older guy and we talked about this before with the Spurs, like they, they are in a weird situation, right? Like because DeMar and LaMarcus Aldridge are older, Patty Mills is older, Rudy Gay is older, and like those guys play a lot of minutes. And so this is a big year, I think, for the young guys because there's not going to be those vets around for all that much longer. I, I would be stunned if DeMar DeRozan was a San Antonio Spur next year. So like now you need Lonnie Walker to be ready. You need Kelton Johnson to be ready, right? And 
I don't think the Spurs are going to make any deals. Like, I think they're just going to play this season out. It wouldn't, it wouldn't stun me if they did it, but I just don't, I don't see that being the case. So I think this is what we're going to see. And to me, they seem the most likely to win 37 games, right? Like I think their range of outcomes is just like very tight. And you're always like plugged in with the Spurs. I just want to ask you one updated question. So let's say they play it out. You know, they have cap space in the future. The future is brighter than we thought maybe a few years ago, last year at this time. If you had to bet on Bovada, next coach of the Spurs, at this point, who do you think it is? Hmm. I've actually heard a number of different things. I told you before I thought it was going to be Brett Brown. And I am a little bit worried about that prediction because it just doesn't seem like Brett Brown cares to, like, get back involved at the moment, right? And I think he will. Don't get me wrong. I guess. Hmm. Well, the candidates, you know, they have the young assistant. Will, Will, Hardy, Will Hardy is Hardy. the one that I think you look at the most. I think Will and Ime Yudoka make the most sense if Greg Popovich is going to retire in the next, like, year. I will say this. I think there is going to be rumors about Manu Ginobili. I don't know if he would be interested. I don't know if it would even work. I think people don't realize the like cachet or whatever that Manu has in that organization and how much he still is like around. And so I think that Manu is going to at least get a, like if Steve Nash works, it wouldn't stun me if Manu Ginobili was the next coach of the San Antonio Spurs. And the very Steve Nash move that that would be. And you didn't even mention Becky Hammond, who I thought you would at least mention. I think, I mean, kind of shows your, I don't think that they'll, I, I just think that it, it's it's a weird thing for me to say that like they, they'll hire Manu, but they won't hire Becky Hammond, right? I just I, I don't I don't know. I think Becky will get an interview. I think I, I I think it'll be someone who's part of the Spurs family, right? And I think like you could see if like Charlotte was better and James Borrego was like, hey, I don't think I can win at a super super high level in Charlotte. Like I think James Borrego could could get the job, right? He worked in San Antonio, right. so like Monty Williams, maybe he's sick of like dealing with Robert Sarver and it doesn't seem like that Phoenix is legitimately seems good this year. Like I think he'd be in the mix, but I think at what point does Becky Hammond become the NBA's Eric B where all the media can write about is is how she's snubbed. Is she not already that? And and here's maybe she is, but it's hard to say like Eric B was like the alleged offensive coordinator for like the best team. Their Spurs are not at that level anymore. So it's hard no. to say that like their assistant needs to be the head coach somewhere. And also, by the way, if we're talking about that, when they were at that level, their assistants literally got jobs every single year. So right. it's not like it's not like a situation where people are I mean, James Rago got the Hornets job, right? And like he Well, that's kind of like Kansas City. The last two offensive coordinators got hired. Yeah. And so I, I'm just saying, like, I think I would absolutely bet money on Bovada that Becky Hammond will be an NBA head coach someday. I just don't know if it, I I don't know who's going to do it first. Right. Like I, it just, it's a weird situation. I I think she's good at what she does from what I've heard, but it's also what does, you you know, a lot of like Eric, the enemy thing aside, right. A lot of people in the NFL, they're aware of like their agents do a good job, right. That you, you know, who calls plays, you know, who's responsible for whose development, all these people who write about Becky Hammond, like I, I would, bet a lot of money have no idea what her day-to-day jobs are with the Spurs, right? They don't know what team she's scouting. They don't know what she does in terms of player development. They don't know what she does in practice. And I'm not saying that I do either, but I think NBA teams structure their coaching staffs very differently. So when you're saying like, damn, 
Becky Hammond's been an assistant for the Spurs, like the second longest of anyone on their staff. Like, why isn't she getting rumored for jobs? Well, it's like, okay, well, like, why don't you back that up with like what you know that she does and the impact that she's had on the Spurs, right? And and that's, I think, very, that's harder to do in the NBA than it is to do in the NFL. Personally, that's what I think. Well, I've kind of turned the corner on Becky Hammond as an NBA head coach in the sense that like when she first started getting like the outrage that she wasn't getting interviews, she was like, she, what, like she, the sixth assistant And or she something? had been, she had been working for them for like 18 months. Like, right. and it started not, too early. She wasn't even on like, as a casual fan, you would know this better, but like, I kind of judge him. Like, she wasn't on the bench. That's yeah, it. You're she, exactly she like right. No, this, the bench. Is, this is a hundred percent a real thing. If you're a behind the bench assistant, you're less important than an on the bench assistant. Aside from the first seat, which is always a team's trainer. Like, Behind the bench means you're lower on the totem pole. You're absolutely right about that. 100%, Zan. So, That's not a since dumb then, thing to say. She's gotten up the pecking order. And I think she's a legitimate NBA head coach and candidate now. But same, you could say the same about Ime Adoku or whatever. Will, like he probably well, I mean, Will, Will, Hardy, right Will Hardy for sure as well is in the same boat as those guys. Like, And so I think it, it's, it's a situation where she'll get a job at some point. It, it could very well be this offseason. There's going to be a lot of openings. You know, Ted I hope it's the right job because it's like thinking guy. San Antonio should have support. If you go to like, let's say Washington blows it up and goes into a deep rebuild, like that's a tough situation for a coach. Yeah, we talk, I think I think I've talked about this before. Like you knew Randy Whitman when he got the job was the coach before the coach, right? So if you if the Wizards blow it up and they hire Becky Hammond, like by the time they get good, you know that they're not going to be the coach. Same thing with Brett Brown, right? And he just organized a bigger buyout and to get more money. But like when the Sixers were really ready to win, like his time there was over, you know, like he won some games, but it wasn't good enough. And now he's gone. And I think when you see that it sucks, cause you're exactly right. Like you're not getting a real chance. You know, it would be a great situation for her and it's probably not going to happen. San Antonio, of course, just because yeah, of infrastructure, but in terms of jobs that could be open, if Atlanta somehow like misses the playoffs or underachieves, and you go in there as like a young loaded team, like that's a situation to win in. I think maybe I don't, you want to find a situation though, similar to like Milwaukee where you can tell that, like, I guess that's what you're saying. Atlanta is that when, if there's, if they, they underachieve this year, there's somebody that can come in and point to a bunch of different, a uh, point to a bunch right. of little things or like Mark team. Jackson and golden state. You're right. Saying. And what it was with Jason Kidd and Milwaukee. Like, I, I guess, I don't know. Like it's, who's that team? Like that has like a bad coach now that they can turn it around quickly, like Sacramento or something. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, they're not that good. I don't know. It's interesting. I, I kind of want to watch this season. Minnesota, maybe. Minnesota, Minnesota, maybe. I mean, yeah, Minnesota, Charlotte. If yeah, I would take really Minnesota. Good. I don't know. If Minnesota's- I could like tweak their roster, it's like they have the they have the potential to be like a very good team in the future. You know when we talk about like Kyrie Irving retiring, what are the chances that like Carl Towns just decides he doesn't want to play anymore? He's had such a rough like year. He loves it. Yeah. I, and that's always been a knock on him that he doesn't like love it. Right. And I don't even mean this in the sense of like, he has more to do. It just seems like he's so like beaten down right now. And he's like, yeah, if I was minute in Minnesota, they're four and a 14 playoffs are going to be an uphill battle. You really you don't want to get lower than the fourth pick. Right. You, <laughs> you have really your top don't. three protected. I would probably tell Kent towns like to, to go home, relax. We don't need you to share. That's a bad thing to hear. By the way, one quick Spurs thing. I don't know if you saw they played Boston this past weekend and they DeJounte Murray like plucked Kemba Walker in the last few minutes of the seconds of the game and got a dunk and it like sealed the game. But Boston is two and 16 in their last 18 against San Antonio. And I don't know why, like I looked at that, like, I don't know why that's so crazy to me, but I just felt like that was like very wild to see that like they just get 
the doors blown off by on, on at San Antonio all the time. Like, well, can I say one that, that might go home theory too about? I would say about Bradley Beal too. If they keep him, I would say, look, Bradley, you're putting up great stats on paper. Let's keep you around until the All Star game. Get your All Star tag, and then go home. And let's try to get a good pick. Oh, they're going to trade Brad Beal, right? Like they're going to. But they, I'm saying if you do, if you decide to keep him, I wouldn't trot him out there I, for 35 minutes a night. I did. Uh, I did find it funny. One of my friends, who is also a uh, self-hating Wizards fan, texted me in the middle of because we were both watching Rockets and Wizards live. And John had a stretch where he scored like nine points straight in the fourth quarter. And he said, do you think that Houston would take Russell Westbrook and two future firsts for John Wall? And I was just like, I was just like, I don't know why we do this to ourselves, man. Like, when do you think it's acceptable to just not root for any teams anymore? You know, like, and just not let it bother you. Like, when does that happen in your life where you just I've never been like a local team diehard. So I've never understood why, how you can easily be a Houston fan and then. James Harden gets traded and now you hate James Harden after I don't know. Like, loving like, him for 10 years. I don't like know. Like I can't like I can't hate John Wall. I just don't have it in me to hate John Wall. Like I don't hate him, right. right? Like I love the guy. I'm rooting for the Rockets. I've watched more Rockets games than Wizards games this year. But it's like at a certain point, you stop like turning the TV on and just getting mad every night, right? Like you just like this is like I watch the Wizards now and it's like it's like depressing it's like sad Zandrick. it's like you sit there and you're like why did i spend money on this team like why did i line ted leonsis's pockets and let him well, i feel like it's such drugs? a helpless feeling too. It like, is. It you know it's like you're rooting for something that you can't control and you could like write like angry letters to the editor or something like what are you gonna do about it's, it it's funny now too because like in the free agency era and maybe that's why like football is a little bit better like maybe that's why people care because players do like the best players stay on teams, right? You you very rarely see like top level guys change teams, but in the NBA, like doesn't happen anymore. It's it's like you said, it's like hard. You can't you can't fall in love with James Harden and then like all of a sudden you're just like forget it. So like now that's why people root for players, right? So they don't have to feel bad. They can just switch teams. I remember like how many people were Cavs fans when I was growing up and they just became Heat fans and I was like, oh, these people are idiots. Maybe they were smart, Zan. Maybe they were the smart people. Just well, root for like- LeBron. I could see passionately rooting for something that you believe in, you know, like, Hey, I really want, you know, so-and-so to win the election because like, I believe in them and I, I, I'm, yeah. I would get bombed if they lose. Like, why do you believe in the wizards? Like, why should they win? You know, I, I know like, do you believe in the coach or the owner? I mean, it's like political tribalism and sports tribalism are, are quite close when you think about it. Right. Cause yeah. like, you just don't listen to things like, like, you watch James Harden and people tell me like, Oh man, like, you know, James Harden, like he can't win a title with this way. He needs to get in better shape. He's not that good in the playoffs. And I'm just screaming that he is, but I'm not backing it up with anything. Cause like, I just want to be right. Well, and it's also doubly odd. Cause it's like, they're not your hometown team. Like they're your hometown team, but they're not your hometown players. There's no, no. Yeah. There's they, they, like, they, the, the teams are never the same, right? Like you, you have one year of one specific team and it's like, okay. And then the next year, certain guys are in and out and fringe guys are gone. And, it's a new season and like people keep doing it. Right. Like I'm sitting here wearing a Washington nationals 2019 world series hoodie. Why, like, why did I bother buying that? That season's over. Right. Like it's finished. Like it's, it's just like, I was, I don't mean to be like down in the dumps about it, but it's, it's funny to think about with the NBA because it is such a player's league and people just follow players around. Right. Because you don't want, it's impossible to attach yourself, I think to a team anymore. And I think that's why 
you know, they lose older fans because like that, that reminds me, this is deep cut diversion. Do you ever take like intro to philosophy? And there was like this interesting yes, question. I took I one philosophy class in my life. And I remember I'll, I'll, you tell your story and I'll tell you a story. Well, it's, you it's just like a thought exercise. I forgot the name of it, but let's just say it was like, what's a famous show, ship? Like the Queen Mary, let's say. Um, so let's say the Queen Mary has been around for 50 years and constantly floating around. And over those 50 years, every single part has been replaced at some point. And let's say somebody collected all those old parts from the original Queen Mary and built on a new Queen Mary in the exact replica of the original. Like, which is the actual Queen Mary? The one that has all the parts from the original or now this one that has all new parts, oh but God. it's been in the same process and slowly evolved. Am I answering this question? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, what's the answer? What's the Queen Mary? What's the, like, the original Queen Mary? Well, if we're relating this to sports, it's the current queen mary right like that's the, the one, one that, that's currently functioning and, right that's that's the purpose of this or you're telling me no that's not the purpose of i this. don't know i mean that's why it's a philosophy question I, it's I, uh, the mind i decided philosophy wasn't for me i took it in high school intro to philosophy and i uh i took a couple other like random philosophy classes that were about specific things right like i took a sociology class whatever but i took intro to philosophy the first day in class 50 minute classes in high school right that's how long our periods were like 54 minutes or something the guy takes the garbage can, puts it out the door, closes the door, comes back in and says, prove to me that the garbage can is there. So this girl raises her hand. She stands up. She says, it's outside. I can see it. And he goes, okay, now sit back at your desk. How, how do you know it's there? And she's like, well, I saw you put it there. And he's like, okay, but you can't see it. And then we had to write a paragraph about it. Like we had to write like a two paragraph thing about this specific back and forth and how it was there. And I was just like, this is, I'm just, I'm not, I, I can't I see, do it. I think that, I think that's interesting, but it is um, interesting, but like, right. it's, it's not philosophy, you know, like the stereotype of like, who are philosophers. Right. And it's like, you always know the one dude, like Kyrie Irving, right. He's a philosopher. Like he, he just has all these like very existential comments on everything that you can't really refute. But at the same time, you know, they're like a little crazy, right. <laughs> you know, they're just, but not- you know what? Like I miss that, like free thinking, critical thinking. Like I was ranting to, to my wife about this. I feel like every conversation I've ever had with anybody recently, it's not like their opinion on something. It's not a conclusion that no, they've drawn or insight. It's like parrots parrots. what they've seen. Right. Yes. Like I, I read this. I watched this. Fox News said this. CNN said this. It's They're just like relaying the message instead of like interpreting it on their and, own. And that's that's that speaks to a larger problem. It's why like I, I know there's a big problem in the NBA now when guys evaluate talent. And it's like not to Kevin Costner like draft day this conversation, but – one of the most common questions people ask is like, do you watch the NBA? And guys are always like, yeah, yeah, of course, whatever. And and I know teams will go deeper and be like, okay, like, will you sit down on a night that like you don't have right. practice, you don't have class, and will you watch full games? And very few players do. Some lie and say they do, but very few players now do that. Like they just don't watch basketball. But like to somebody that's younger watching basketball is like, oh, I scrolled through Instagram or I saw like a five-minute right. highlight on YouTube and like that's what people think. And that's how people consume content now. And and just in all walks, right. You don't have guys sitting down and watch. It's kind of why the football playoffs become more interesting, right? Because so many people watch red zone. I'll transition into our, we're going to give you some Super Bowl props we like, but people watch red zone all year. Right. And they watch just for fantasy purposes. And then finally in the playoffs, people watch full games. And then people are like, man, Jared Goff, like, he's really not very good. And it's like, yeah, because all year you see Jared Goff throw touchdowns or interceptions and that's it. But then you watch him, you're like, damn, this guy's just not that good, right? And so I think like 
that's kind of where we see this big generational gaps and not to be like, get off our lawn type guys, but like everyone consumes things in much smaller, like, but very, that's like, why like, you know, we just bashed, packages. we bashed like hardcore fans, local fans. That's why. Yeah. Those guys are but great. Those, yeah. Like those guys are the most insightful because they'll be like, Oh yeah, actually our second corner is not that good. He's been getting beat on third down all the time. Like they know because they watch their players. Yeah, they happen the to overrate all their either they overrate right. all their players or they think all their players stink. There's like no in between, but I agree with you. Like that's why we need local fans. That's why you care, right? Yeah, so can, absolutely. Local fans, I would trust their opinion so much more than like the average, even local beat writer. Like yeah, they I totally watched, know it. I watched like 12 minutes straight of Alex Len and Jordan Bell and they hadn't even been on the Wizards for like a full 24 hours. Like that's how, that's how local fans put themselves through things, you know? It's yeah, just bad. True. All right, so Super Bowl Sunday coming up. Bovada uh, is like gone crazy. It's it's amazing. It, it, you're absolutely right. They have so many different props. But why don't you give me your pick for the game, your best bet, and your best prop? The best bet would not be like bet the national anthem. Like, what do you think of whether it's a player? Well, there's prop just so or, many. It's just fun to like go look at how silly some of the bets are. Like we were joking that the, they have the puppy bowl. You know, puppy bowl seventeen apparently. Um. You ever watch the Puppy Bowl? I have. It's cute. It's cute. Uh, The announcer is tremendous. Like, it's so good. But it's Team Fluff versus Team Rough. And Team Rough coming in strong, minus 140 as a favorite. They're not even, it's not even like a super close favorite. Like, there's lots of money money on Team Rough. (laughs) They're saying, like, Team Rough has just really got it. Um, And then they have the, you can bet on whether the MVP of the. Puppy bulls a male or female dog. Um, there's just so many like crazy bets that you could do. The one that I kind of another silly one that I saw halftime show. Will Kenny G be on the stage? And I don't know the weekend. He's the performer that well. Does he work with Kenny G in any way? Why would the Kenny G be on there? I would bet the, the no on that. Even it always funny. it always annoyed me when they had like halftime bets because like there are some people that absolutely know what the weekend set list is going to be. Right, and so like. It seems it seems bad. I I will say the spread is three. That seems low to me. I'm not a professional gambler by any means. If you were wanting to bet the spread, I would say I I would say take the Chiefs. I don't. I'm not super confident in the Bucks' ability to score. But I will say the one bet that I do kind of really like, and this might be insane, and you might tell me like, hey, you're losing your mind. But Kansas City minus nine is plus one eighty, or minus mm. ten is plus 190 i think there's a solid chance that the final score of this game is like 42 31 like like we haven't seen kansas city play a ton of close games and one thing that i am pretty freaking confident in zan is that like it's bruce arians like tampa's gonna sling this thing around they're not they do run it with fournette too much but like you know buffalo or not buffalo cleveland was able to keep it a little bit close because like they they had a bunch of like a bunch of short passes like they ran the ball a decent amount like but like this is going to get up there, and I just don't think that they're going to be able to play if they blitz Mahomes a lot. Like they're going to have to score, and I don't know that like they can play a close game into the 30s if that makes sense. No, it makes a lot of sense to me because, and I think you know, like you could talk yourself into Tampa in the sense like you look at their roster, you look at their PFF grades, you look at their stats. They're like, good. Tampa's very good. They're very they're, talented. Right. They might be the best roster. It's just like a Tom Brady thing. Like he didn't look good at times, even though I mean, his stats look good. He's looked. Honestly, if you've watched games, he's not looked great in the playoffs. Like he's looked okay. He's they, their defense has been really, really good for him and giving him good situations. He's not been super accurate. Like he tried to lose the game against Green Bay. 
maybe he turns it on. I, don't, I mean, the last Super Bowl he was in, Zan, remember they put up 10 points. Well, and that's what like, yeah. And the Kansas City is so scary just because it's like they're, they're ceiling floor. Like their floor is so high. Like if you told me Matt Patrick Mahomes throws three interceptions, they're still probably going to score 30 points. It's, it's just, crazy. He scored under 20 points like once in his entire career. Like he scored 13 one, you know, like it's, it's amazing. Like you basically, you basically have to score 24 to beat Kansas city. And even that's like super low. Yeah. I, I don't, I mean, I could see, I, I don't even know the formula. Like how would Tampa Bay win is if their defense can, they can run the ball, slow it down. Maybe they can win you, a 28 to 27 game. I don't even know. Even if you get to Mahomes, right. And, and like, obviously like San Francisco's game plan last year was pretty good, right. They controlled the clock, but they were a better rushing team by a long shot. That's what Kyle Shanahan does really well. But like, even if you get to Mahomes, he's so good out of structure. Like it, it's not like a super crazy pass rush bothers him. Well, I think that is the formula. If I, I now that I think about it, the formula for Tampa to win would be this: if Kansas City can't run the ball against a good Tampa run defense, and they just have to pass all the time, and they're losing a couple offensive linemen, and then Tampa can get pressure, then I think their offense they might do. struggle. They do have more. They both their tackles are out, right? Because Mitchell Schwartz is not going to be back. I, I mean, what's and, and Eric Fisher's like, out. Like he tore his Achilles. Like he's not playing. But Mitchell Schwartz, I saw like it was maybe, but not probably. Right. And as good as Mahomes is, it is hard when you have a pass rush. Maybe there's a strip sack or something. And we know that like Tampa's D line is really good. Like Jason Pierre-Paul and like Dominican Sue and Shaq Barrett. Like those guys are playing well. They've gotten better. And Shaq it's, Barrett had a couple like awesome plays in the last against game. green he's, bay yeah and he's plus and, 40 45 to one to win mvp maybe you could see that and green and green bay too like great offensive line by the way like the best i mean david bacteria was hurt which obviously right. kills you but like you can throw different things at guys like you know andrew wiley and you don't know like what he's seen and i think i do think that blitzing mahomes is not the way to win like he's he's consistently been the best quarterback against the blitz the last three years like that's just what, what the guy does but like i just want to throw it out there like this guy's played in three straight afc title games they lost because d4 jumped off sides and like bill belichick had a good game plan and they still almost ran him down and lost in overtime right and nobody's really come close to it. i mean like like obviously mahomes gets hurt against cleveland and that keeps the game relatively close i think if mahomes plays the fourth quarter we're probably not watching him run out the clock on fourth down like i just i just am if you dare them to run, he just crushes you underneath, right? Like they just like Andy Reid's just like, fine, you want us to run? We'll just take a five yard pass every time. And Travis Kelsey just catches 10 passes, right? Like it's, it's so right. weird how they're kind of like Alabama in a sense where they also have like five or six players that they just, th- they just use all the time, right? Like, like they use Mahomes, like I would use my quarterback in Madden where you want him to throw enough to like win all the awards. And he just throws to Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and, I don't know. Sammy Watkins is back too. Like that could be big. I mean, I think this I is think- a blowout. I I really do. If you're if 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 you're asking my main opinion, like, and and I'm saying blowout in the sense that like I think they went by two touchdowns, right? Like I thought they blew out Buffalo, and Buffalo didn't play terrible in my opinion. Um, I could see it going one way. I could talk myself into two ways. I should say I could talk myself into Tampa generates a couple turnovers because their defense is so good. Definitely possible, and keeps it close, and maybe Brady scores at the end of the half and wins. But I think the other chances, you're right, like a 14-point blowout, 20-point blowout, you know, because if Brady's just not, doesn't have it, and he's behind, let's say, you can tell right, yeah, throw. If, if you can tell right away that he's not good, 
Like, yeah, because like with Mahomes, like he could play bad in the first quarter and it just like it doesn't matter. Right. Like, well, that's why we talked. You loved Lamar Jackson and you still do. But like Mahomes is like what I judge teams to like if they're down 20 to nothing. Do you feel like they have a shot? If they're down, you know, six points and there's 40 seconds left, do they have a shot? Like you feel comfortable with Mahomes in any of those scenarios. It's 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 ridiculous. Like he's just so good. Like. I think the narrative of like him versus Brady is fun, right? Like I think it's a cool narrative because Brady, whatever you say at this point, whether you think Peyton's better or Dan Marino's better or whatever, like Brady's had the best career. There's just no other way to put it, right? Like he's going to retire with the greatest quarterback career of all time. But we're looking at Mahomes and he's like 25 years old and he's potentially going to win his second Super Bowl. And it's like, what is stopping this guy? With Andy Reid, like, are are they, you know, the, the real comparable, the real parallel between like Reid and Mahomes and then Belichick and Brady, like, you can see that, right? Like, it just seems like the Chiefs just don't lose. They just don't lose games. Like, and again, yeah. maybe, they, they, maybe, they, maybe they do. Brady, the guy runs real pure, Tom Brady. Like, he gets, when he needs things to happen, they happen for him. It's, it's always been that way. Maybe excluding, I don't know. I mean, I guess even like the Super Bowl against like the Seahawks, right? They never should have won that game. It's, it's weird. Like Brady has good things happen to him, I guess, excluding the helmet catch. But like, I just don't, I just am not but, confident yeah. that Brady can play a complete game. And I think you have to, you just have to against the Chiefs. It's, it's interesting to see for Brady's legacy. I mean, obviously it's secure, but this let's is say gravy, they get, is it not? Like, no, but if they get blown out, let's say they lose by 20, I think there's a, you could look up the stats. I, I think there's a chance he'd be six and four in the Super Bowl. Amazing that he made 10, obviously, but six and four. And I think he could have a negative point differential if they get blown out because all their wins were very close. I was wondering, I actually was wondering about that because all their losses were close too. Yeah. I I don't think it's a big difference either way. They've always been one score games, I think. Okay. So here's the Tom Brady Super Bowl things and then, then we'll end it. But so they won the first one by three. They beat the, they beat the Panthers by three. Wait, let me Eagles let me write it down. Three. We'll do it together because we we need two people to do math this complicated. Okay, what is it? He's they have, won by three. Yeah, they so okay. The first I, time I'll just tell you the three. first the first three Super Bowls he was plus nine. Okay, okay. The first okay. three wins he was plus nine. Then then he lost to the Giants twice, right? And they lost by three and they lost by four, so he was minus seven in those. Okay. Then they beat Seattle by four. They okay. beat Atlanta by six, so he's plus ten in those. Okay. They lost to the Eagles by eight. Oh, see, that's a big one. Okay. And then they beat the Rams by 10. Oh, that's a big one too. So with that 10 there, he's plus 14 total. So he could theoretically, as I said. Right. So if they lose negative. by 17, he's six and four with a negative right. point. Of, I mean, I, I just want to say though, like, this is the same thing with LeBron. Like, first of all, it's amazing that Brady's played all these close Super Bowls, by the way, because like they easily could have beaten the Giants twice. Like he he absolutely could be eight and one, right? Which is crazy right. to think about. But like it's amazing that this guy is in the Super Bowl in 2020. <laughs> like it's no, absolutely, absolutely it's like it's it's like 2021, just, by the way. Yeah, I forgot about that. But it's like it's just like so incredible that like he just like and I've I've like shit on the guy all year. Don't get me wrong. Like you can you can there's text that like you could screenshot and put out there for the world that like made me look like an idiot, but like I just don't think he's played great this year. Like I think he's been good, but his ability to just like keep them in games and and not lose games even when he tries it's been impressive i just think that like that's not the way to beat the chiefs right like the first time bruce arians kicks a field goal on fourth and two from like the six yard line like i'm just gonna hammer it i'm gonna live bet the chiefs for a million dollars because like that again like you just don't beat the chiefs that way and i just i don't know man i I think it could get ugly if if it's a kansas city lead early if an interception or like a kickoff return 
I'm if you have a deep bet, it's not even on Bovada yet. Chiefs kickoff return touchdown. Book it. Yeah, Tampa's, probably like forty to one. But you you like it better as a kickoff return. I, I think I like it better as a punt, punt return. Right. Yeah, There's not that many kickoffs anymore these yeah, days. And and you know like the the staple Bruce Arians team. Right. This is this is bad. And I, it'd be cool if Bruce Arians won a title. By the way, I just want you guys to know that like I'm not rooting for anyone in particular. I'd, I'd like to see a good game. And if Brady wins, great. Arians gets a title. That's fun. But like. The classic Bruce Arians thing is like your team plays really well on offense and defense, but you shoot yourself in the foot because your special teams stink and you commit like 10 to 15 penalties and you can't overcome that. Like that's like that's like an exact Bruce Arians thing where like you give up a special teams touchdown, you like miss a field goal, and then you have like I'm I'm definitely rooting against I think he's like as douchey of a coach as I've ever seen, actually. He's <laughs> like Andy so Reed arrogant. Is, Andy Reid is like so likable. It's amazing that so I have a friend who's a Patriots fan. He's been a Patriots fan his whole life. And he is, I don't know if he's rooting for Tom Brady or not, but he did text me and say that one of the things that he's so tired of with the Chiefs is that, like, because everyone likes Mahomes and everyone likes Andy Reid, nobody talks about the fact that, like, Tyree Kill anymore is, like, a, just an absolute, like, piece of trash. And he's like, you know, their their dynasty is built on the back of, like, this dude being, like, totally, hey, you, you were punished in a past life. Like, it's fine. And he's saying that, like, because the Chiefs are so likable, people, like, actually like Tyree Kill, and he wants to, like get awareness out that you shouldn't like Tyree kill. But I agree with you. Arians is, is largely douchier than like everyone else. Well, and also, yeah. I mean, for a guy who, you know, um, he was just bashing Belichick recently saying like he, he lets Tom, he didn't let Tom Brady play or something. It's like, That's so dude, like before it's, this year, you had won one playoff game in your career. Like he, he, maybe and also, if, if you look at the way that they played this year too, they changed their offense in the middle of the year for like, like a ton more crossing patterns because like Tom Brady was basically like, look, man, we're not going to win at a high level. If I have to throw deep, like you want me to, like, I can't do it. Like that's literally like he finally like gave in on something that he's never given in on in his career because of Tom Brady. And it's like, Arian Arians is like, Arians like chutzpah, if you will, it's like way out of control, dude. Like I agree. Absolutely. It's just like, I do appreciate him though, because in a COVID world, where everybody screams with their mask off, that guy keeps the face shield and the N95 off while he MFs referees. It's amazing watching his face get super red behind the mask while he's just like, just drilling a fish. Well, and I, I don't even mind like the outspoken football coach, like Mike Leach, I think is funny. And like even Rex Ryan, when Arians, he was on his game, Arians he's kind of funny. his own dudes. Like Arians, yeah, Arians is just like, like a jerk. He doesn't seem fun. He doesn't seem funny. He seems like he's, Never takes accountability for anything. He definitely doesn't do that. I, I agree with that statement. He Bruce Arians is pretty confident that Bruce Arians is not the problem. And I'm saying like right. his, his teams always have very similar issues, right? And so when you watch, like, you know, they, they got a huge call against against Green Bay and ended up winning them the game. But like they had other situations where like they could have been called, you know, and, and they they play physical. Their defense is Todd Bowles is good defensive coordinator, is what he does really well. But like Arians like at a certain moment in the game, there's going to be like a massive penalty and it's it's just going to be like a crushing penalty for the Bucks because like that's what happens. Like it's going to be like like somebody's going to hit Mahomes late on like a big third down or there's going to be like a big face mask and it's his teams are just always Ryan Jensen brawl of the center. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just bad. But it, it is funny because like I thought this year with Tom Brady, like he would have the kind of like LeBron underdog thing going for him where it's like everyone just hated him right like they, they, you either love the patriots or you just hate them right but i thought like brady would go to the bucks like he's been kind of funny on social media he's done some goofy stuff 
And it doesn't feel that way. It, it definitely feels like people just want Tom Brady and the Bucks to lose, at least to me in, in like my own little like bubble and like what I see online and stuff. It feels like people are all in on the Chiefs, which makes well, everyone nervous. loves Mahomes. Everyone loves Andy Reid now. It's really um, hard to not like Mahomes. Can I give I Tom know. Brady and Arians one shout out? Because Arians throughout his career, the big knock on him for me was like getting his quarterback killed and getting taking a ton of hits. They Brady's been their- sacked. 21 times this year. Yeah. They, I mean, they improved their O-line a really good bit. Like the dude, uh, Jedrick Wills or whatever. Like, yeah. Rookie. He's been yeah, awesome. He's, yeah. It's a different guy. Tristan Wolf. Tristan Wirfs. Tristan Wirfs. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Get out of here. I got to go. All right. Uh, real quick. Let me <laughs> it's end good the to show. Have, you it's good to have you while you're, before you retire early. We're looking for a new co-host. By the Dan way. underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit. Me. Check out uh, MTV Challenge Accepted sometimes Thursdays, sometimes Fridays. Uh, Zandrickellison at gmail.com. You can send him an email. And uh, Zan, as always, your resume, please. Sorry for wasting your time, but it's always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.